everybody. This is your girl Marie B, and I'm your host. And this is a story of a black girl misunderstood, but it's still all good. So today I have two special guests. Um, I would like for them to introduce themselves, and then we can get right into it. Uh, hey everybody, it's Deja Monet from Dallas, Texas. Um, I'm a known activist in Dallas. My brand is Deja Monet, the social activist, and I have a special guest here with me. Hey, I'm Briante. Uh... From Dallas, Texas. Uh, I work with an organization in Dallas, Texas, NGAN, uh, and working working at organization alongside Deja Monet. I'm kind of new to this act- activism thing, so uh, it's my first time really doing some things like this. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to Washington D.C. I'm so glad that I can have you guys on the show because we got a lot to talk about. Um, so, Deja, can you tell us how you became an activist? and also about your organization, how it brings awareness to your community and just the black community in general. Yeah, um, so it's funny, the name, I didn't consider myself an activist, it was just thrown on me because I'm very passionate about um, fighting against social injustices, but I went to an HBCU and I took a political science course with uh, my now favorite professor, he passed away, rest in peace, but um, I said, yeah, I took a political science course with him and um, the class just changed my life from, so from there, I began to like just be passionate about things and just started being vocal about some of the stuff that I saw going on like within society that I did not like. Um, so literally from me posting on social media and me doing like community events, that turned into me being an activist. So the crowd kind of threw that name on me and I always say like if I'm passionate about it I'm not going to label it as an activist just what I'm passionate about um and then as far as the organization that I'm with Next Generation Action Network we're based out of Dallas um and we are the largest social activist um organization in Dallas so we fight for all injustices whether it's domestic violence police brutality um school renovations like we we fight for all um injustices within Dallas Okay, that's great. That's well, actually, great. let me not say within Dallas because we have seven chapters around the world, so it's mm-hmm. nationally, but we're okay. very known in Dallas. Yeah, that's what's up. Um, Briante, can you tell us how you got started and you know how everything came about for you? Um, well, everything came about for me. I think it all started back in 2016 during the presidential election. Uh, it was like a couple things that happened. I started paying attention to politics at the time because I really didn't really you know, get into it. And then right at the time I started paying attention to politics, Ava DuVernay dropped 13th, that docu-series on, uh, yes. on Netflix. Love it. And it just woke my conscience up from there. You know, I really just dove, dove deep into politics. I'm a junkie with politics. And, uh, you know, I mean, I always knew the state of Black America. And, you know, I just wanted to, in my heart, you know, I'm a giving person. I'm compassionate. And I always knew, you know, something has to be done by my community. So um, I started uh, diving deeper and deeper. And it wasn't until 2020 where I really uh, joined NGAN and started actually getting out to the streets and wanted to be more active. Uh, Before, I was just kind of studying up, uh, gaining more knowledge. But now I think I'm at the point where, you know, I got so much knowledge, I got enough to share. And, you know, I want to actually be the change I want to see in the world. That's what's up. I like to hear that. That's what's up. Um, It's so interesting how, like, you could just watch one episode. I seen the thirteenth, and um, like I know a lot about like you know the things that are going on as far as like Black history, the social injustice, 
Um, but the 13th, I don't know what it was, but it woke me up too. So that's really cool that, you know, it's basically it gave you your calling. Right. Say. Um, so how does you two come together? Well, um, uh, oh, go, oh, you go ahead. Well, well we, uh, uh, I met her at NJN because she's the second vice president. And, uh, you know, we we hit it off because, you know, she's a very woke, conscious person. And uh, she loves politics. And she, you know, uh, she has, uh, I guess, uh, the confidence that I don't have. So that's why I like being around her. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what's my future in activism or even in politics. He's gonna be a politician. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out. Claiming into out. your existence. Yeah. Right, right. I'm still trying to figure that out and build the confidence. So uh, right now, I'm kind of just taking baby steps, trying to figure it all out. Okay, that's cool. So you two attended the march on Washington yesterday. How was it? And what do you want? What did you want to get out of that experience? Um. So I'll go. For me, it was more so just about, well, for one, it was the anniversary of the 57th year from when MLK did the first one, March on Washington. Um, So for me, it was just crazy how we're fighting for the same thing that Mm -hmm. he was marching for um, back then. And it's for me, like all these deaths that has happened this year from George Floyd all the way down to Jacob Blake is crazy. Yes. So I just wanted to be in an atmosphere where you see other activists and other people coming together and unity fighting for the same thing. Um, and I hope that people can look at this event and know like, okay, it's a serious issue in America and we need to change it. Um. Talk, bringing it back to George Floyd, um, like that was, it was crazy. That video, that was crazy. And I know, like, in our community, we see these videos all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I never thought it would lead to this, to where we are today. Um, fighting for change, yeah, what we've been fighting for change, but it's like the black community, we're going harder. This generation is going harder. Like, we're demanding justice and it wasn't just only in America. It was like all over the world, you know? Yeah. I, I never seen anything like that. I thought, like, you know, I had yeah. doubt. Like, mm-hmm. ain't nothing gonna happen. They're not gonna do nothing, you know? Um, what do you think is the future for Black America? Well, can I tap on something really quickly? Mm-hmm. I think, uh, so... For one, we're in a pandemic, right? So they kind of shut the world down. Yes. Um, so a lot of people were on social media. So thank God for cameras because yeah. they wouldn't have had had that recording. It probably would not have been as big as it was. So because it was recorded and it was posted during a time where people are on social media 24-7, I think that's why it was as big and traumatic. Yeah. Um, well, the event was traumatic overall, but you have to think about all of the other victims that have lost their lives due to police brutality, but it wasn't recorded. Right. So, we don't know, yeah. you know. Also, you know, during this pandemic, uh, you know, there's right, uh, not everything shut down, so the world had to actually see that, you know. Yeah. Most people, we're busy with our day-to-day lives, so they really mm-hmm. ain't got time to really care like they probably want to. Yeah. Um, we're, we're shut down, and, and so you have no, you have no other choice but to see what's really going on. And then people are broke, so they got, they want, they mad already. You know, that's true. Working. So they mad already, so they're taking to the streets for so many different reasons. Yeah, yeah, that was another thing. I felt like um, 
a lot of people are upset, you know, they're losing their jobs, you know, they lost their jobs, they don't have food, you know, just a lot of stuff. So people were upset. So it was just like, and we were locked up in the house for like yeah. months. Yeah. So can you imagine all that, like, you know, all that, like those feelings and emotions bottled in and just like you said, it was taken out into the streets and stuff like that. So that, but I, I'm glad that kind of happened. It was an eye opener because something needs to be done. Like we're always talking about it, but like, I feel Let's like change is it. coming. Right. Yeah. And I'm so happy that, um, like you said, the black community is going harder. I just want it to be consistent. Yeah. So this is what we need at all times. Like apply pressure and don't let up until we get changed. And you know, also going back to what you said and how you saying, uh, um, you didn't kind of see it coming. I actually kind of did. I felt like this would happen earlier. Uh, I thought the rhetoric of Donald Trump would have sparked something like this. Yeah. At the beginning of his uh, presidency term. Not saying this is his fault, but the things he say and what he pushes out, you know, kind of makes incites whatever's going on in the streets. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say this: what we're going through right here, I look at. I think this is the this is the third reconstruction of, mm-hmm. this, of America. Uh, the first two reconstructions we didn't deal with money, and I think this time around. We need we need to tap into money because yeah. if you really if you realize that all the money that people are throwing out, black people are getting reparations. It's just not in the form of reparations from the government, right? And how do you see that? How can you explain that? What reparations? No, um, not getting the money in the form of the government, like for everybody out. There. Well, I'm saying you know, and you know, when we when we ask for reparations, it's the government saying, "All right, we messed up. This is how we're gonna uh, 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 correct our wrongs." But the government hasn't actually said that it's been these big corporations is giving out dollars. You know, the NBA paying off a hundred million dollars to black communities for a certain amount of time. The yeah. NHL, uh, people are giving money to black media, all those things. We're mm-hmm. getting money built and uh, sent to our infrastructures now, uh, but we need to push for more. If they can give a hundred million, give 300 million, you know, continue yeah. to pat those pockets. Th- those are things that uh, we've never actually were given during these reconstruction phases. Yeah, because we don't even own any really we don't really own any industries if you think about it, but we are the culture and we drive and thrive and we put in a lot of money into a lot of industries, you know, whether it's, um, hair, music, sports, um, fashion, um, like cars, whatever. Like we, we are the culture where, you know, they make a lot of money off of us and, we're not getting anything in return. We're not. So when it comes to economics, I think we need to also learn finances as well. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. This country doesn't. If, if black people start taking like de-investing into this country, I don't know if that's a word, but if they, we start taking our money back out and kind of really centralizing our money back in our community, these folks will come back crawling to us because they need our dollars. We got 1.5 trillion dollars of spending power. Yeah. And, I was talking to my homeboy the other day and telling him that we got all the leverage. We're just so disorganized that we're mm-hmm. not using the leverage that we have. Yeah. Um, and that's so cool that you said that because, like, you see when all these corporations came out with all these emails and okay. all this, oh, we stand with Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, you know, they won't lose any business from us because they know we are, we're money. We're, we have the spending right. power. But behind the scenes they're not hiring any minorities no black people none of that stuff it's just saying that just to say that yeah we're we care but well, i don't see nothing come out of it y'all can make us the money yeah right this is so interesting but i'm glad you said that uh because 
throwing money at us is not enough. Let's start putting black people in these executive positions. Yeah. All these big Fortune 500 companies, black people are not in executive positions. We may have a, a higher supervisor role or whatever, mm-hmm. but we're not in, we're not direct reports to the CEO of companies and stuff yeah. like that. So those are other things that need to be tapped into as well because, I mean, even if you look at Capitol Hill, uh, you have black people on people's staff, but you don't have nobody chief of staff. And what chief, chief of staff, they get you presidents of corporations after you leave Capitol Hill, all those things like that. Those are opportunities that we're not getting. Even in our politics, as Democrats say, they're for black people. But if you look around, uh, you know, Democrat staff, the House or Senate, they're like they're not that diverse as far as putting black people in chief of staff positions. But those things lead to bigger roles once you leave Capitol Hill. Um. Um, so I don't know if you guys seen the, um, well, you know, everybody's seen the, um, the Jacob Blake video, um, the 17 year old boy, um, yeah, the, I don't know if you guys seen the end of the video, how he walked to the police. Cause I, I keep on hearing about it, but I'm like, okay, he really walked up to the police, him and well, another, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was another video. It was like a group of white men and some women. Um, I guess they were part of a militia group, mm-hmm. and um, they were working with the police. So yeah. they they were giving them water and just saying mm-hmm. thank you and thank you and thank you to your job. So we're people are trying to defund the police. You know, um, we want some policies put in place to protect black people and other minorities when it comes to the police. You know, over policing us, harassing us, and just being inhumane. Um, when I seen that video, I'm like, wait, guys are all working together. Not that we didn't know, but what do you think about white supremacy being extended into the police department? Well, you know, um, I think in, in and I may be misspoke uh, speaking, but I think in 2006 and 2015, I can have my dates uh, kind of, my years kind of messed up. 2006 mm-hmm. and 2015, the FBI released a report saying that around this country, FBI, uh, uh, Police departments are flooded with white supremacists. Yeah. The FBI said it. And, you know, they got their own white supremacist issues, you know, from the past already. And they put yes. that out, you know, kind of snitching on them themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it goes right, it goes alongside their white supremacy, their narrative, you know, because they they always been trying to get in positions of power, judges, uh yeah. lawyers, stuff like that, so they can inflict this type of terror on our neighborhoods. So mm-hmm. it's not surprising to me when you see police departments working with militia groups. I think in that video you was describing, the one of the officers said, we appreciate you guys. I heard that yeah. in the video. And, you know, it just go right al- alongside, you know, their narrative and, uh, and how they choose to police our communities. It's funny. I sent, I was uh, I was reading an article yesterday how uh, in Dallas, our chief of police, was, I think it was like the first couple of nights of protests, a police, uh, police chief was telling, she got on the radio and she told the officers, like, show no mercy or something like that towards these mm. protesters. But that right there incites these police officers to go yeah. out and, you know, kind of be on bullshit. Uh, I'm sorry, cursing, but... No, you all good. Kind of be on BS with, you know, with us. Because you know how they they already wanted to, you know, yeah, take their little power they got and kind of just, you know, use it recklessly. Yeah, um, when the protesting and, you know, even like when the riots or whatever were going on, um, they showed a lot of videos of the police like really, really abusing their power. Like it was on um, a police car and like a cruiser in Brooklyn and 
they hit they ran into the people on purpose yeah. um i seen another video of a police officer waving um one of the white supremacy um hand signals or whatever you want to call it to um protesters so and you know even just the shooting of the bullets the um the rubber bullets and stuff like that they were just going really hard and i'm like you said um they're just like inciting like more drama and tension towards the protesters they're really really taking advantage of it and they're already on some bullshit Mm -hmm. so that just goes to show there is an issue with the police but why is this being ignored why are you guys ignoring this like everything is in plain sight Mm -hmm. why is it being ignored like through our leadership our government and our congress whatsoever well you know i can answer if you want me to answer the question i can answer that (laughs) (laughs) go ahead well um reason why it's being ignored um i think one side it all it's all about dollars you know how dc works so but it starts start even at the local level our city council got their pockets padded with police union dollars so Mm -hmm. you know politics work is favor for a favor you know what have you done for any type of deal and um, when these people are patting their pockets, putting money into their campaigns, they're not too you know quick to move on something that's going to you know hurt their dollars because these folks are trying to you know get rich or whatever they you know their agendas. I'm not gonna speak for everybody, but the money's in their pockets, so they're slow to you know react. They're only gonna react once white people start being hurt by police. Mm-hmm. And then that's when it's really gonna kind of change because I see the police culture getting out of hand to where if it don't change, I mean it's gonna crumble the whole system of USA as we I mean as we see it now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's the dollars that's being flooded into these uh, politicians' pockets. That's so true. Um, what do you guys think about the Republic Republican National Convention? Um, Alice Johnson and Daniel Cameron advocating for Trump. I didn't watch it, girl. I'm I don't watch it either, but yeah. I wanted to just, be, you know, read up and be informed on. Yeah. I tried to watch it, but you know, it's just a bunch of what what you see at the Republican convention and like a lot right now, Republican Party, they're trying to speak to the fears of white people to scare them so bad to come out to vote. <laughs> uh, and but it's not enough white. You can't scare enough white people for them to come out. No, uh, I think when you start in when if the Democrats played a, a winning strategy, if you energize your base like they should, mm-hmm. Republicans lose. Period. You know, because they don't have the numbers. Uh, but Republicans, they they they're speaking to white fear, saying, "Well, I think I heard that Matt Gatz guy. He's a rap out of Georgia, I think he is. Mm-hmm. He was saying like they're going to rape our women. Some crazy he was saying like <laughs> where they're going to rape our women, or and then they also I think Trump put an ad out about how it was an old lady, somebody getting her career broken into, and she called the police and nobody answered. So he's basically saying there, there won't be police for you to call." So they're trying to scare the shit out of They're trying people. to scare the, yeah, yeah. Put and, fear. And, and I don't think it's enough. Uh, you, can, you, can, you can't do enough right now to scare these white people enough because Trump, you only won because people said it home. And yeah. you have enough from Russia. That's about it. Yeah, that too. <laughs> and it's just crazy because this is like, I've never seen a president like this in my life. You know, we always thought like Bush was the worst president, you know, but I yeah. never thought we would get to this. Like, this is a damn circus. It's like a damn movie. Hey, you know, it's funny. Um, I, I know I'm talking right now, but... <laughs> no, it's okay. Go ahead. You know, it's funny. Um, 
in American history, there's always been a, uh, if you look at the cycles of America, there's always been an uprising and there's always been a white lash that comes out. Mm-hmm. And we're in that period of white lash to where we, we did eight years of Obama. Obama. America loved uh, Obama. And right now we're in that white lash to where you know, it's like a backfire of what happened. But you can go through American history, you can see an uprising and then a backlash. You're going back for reconstruction and then Jim Crow laws hit it, you know? So yeah. it's always been that way. So right now we're in that period of white lash where, you know, there's an uprising, the country's moving forward, we see progress. Mm-hmm. And then white people feel like that status quo that they always held on to, that they always benefited from, is being yeah. wiped away, which it isn't, because my rise doesn't mean your fall. And um, yeah. that's, that's just the period, if you know American history, you will see kind of something like this happen. That's so true. I like how you worded that. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of them are kind of like worried and scared because I see these videos um, just like when some of now these white kids, like the younger white kids, they hold up these signs that say Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. And then I see them rip it down and, you know, get it out of here because you're going to bring them over here. They're going to start looting and stuff like that. And, like, it's just crazy. Like, they just drive around town just harassing anybody that speaks on Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. So a lot of them, I don't know if that's just a cover-up of them just being racist, low-key, or they are, like you said, they are scared. They are scared. They're scared they're going to disappear. Like, yeah. yeah. I do give credit to the white people who are out there in the streets with us uh, because... What we need to understand and know is that um, we need them. We need them, and we've mm-hmm. never achieved liberation in this country in any form without our white people standing next to us. Because uh, I hear some narratives out there that we can do it by ourselves. No, nobody, no culture. Has we can't even get ourselves together. Exactly, no yeah. culture people have received any type of liberation is just doing it by themselves. And Martin Luther King talked about this in his uh, book Chaos and Community. Where do we go from here? Yeah. Um, what do you think about some of the white allies that are kind of? taking it too far like I don't know if you've seen this one video it was in DC a couple days ago and um, it was a bunch of non-black um, live matter they were um, non-black protesters um, with Black Lives Matter and they were like somewhere where you know it's a lot of outside dining and they were like harassing the dinner you know the people who were just out to have drinks and dinner and forcing them to speak on Black Lives Matter saying that white silence is violence or whatever and like they're in their faces like making them agree with Black Lives Matter and it was kind of scary like I'm like y'all gotta back Um, up like with me um, I'm all for like using your privilege to get the message out Um, so I'm I will never like try to discredit them for joining the movement and the fight but Mm -hmm. at the same time um don't go so hard for it, you know? Like, I can't tell you what to do, but, like, just don't go so hard for it because, honestly, like, we go through it every day and we live through it, and I understand, like, you want to be helpful and supportive, but the movement is already, like, one wrong thing and they're going to trash it in the yes. um, mainstream media, you know? And I don't think they understand that yet. And also, a lot of them are just out here for the moment. Yes, because like, it's trending. Trying to, yeah, ride the wave of uh, Black Lives Matter. Like, will they still be out here protesting and um, advocating as hard six months from now? No. You know? No. So, I just feel like don't take it too far. Yeah. Um, you want to I mean, 
I, like I said, I mean, I'm agreeing with Daisy. I can't tell him what to do or whatever. Uh, but I almost feel like if white people are jumping other white people's faces, trying to, you know, uh, yelling at them, I'm almost like, yeah, y'all do that. Because if we would do that, we would get locked That's up. That's it. That's we, it. We, 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 we get the, you know, the blow for doing that. But yeah. If, if, but don't take it out. Of yeah, don't, don't go out of hand with like, it. Um, yeah. But I, I do think, you know, there are some white people out here that just for the moment, just like there are some black people out here for the moment. Mm-hmm. In Dallas, we've, we've experienced that. We've been, we, we go into the streets and protest. And it wasn't until uh, from George Floyd, we, there was a big protest. And from George Floyd to Jacob Blake, and I'm sorry you damn had to say that, but George Floyd to Jacob Blake, the movement, like the protest, the numbers were going down. And then when Jacob Blake situation happened, came up. The, numbers, the numbers went right back up as far as like the, the people came out and protest. So, well, we had a good turnout for Ray Sharp Brooks. Yeah, yeah that, it was going there. So it's up and down. Yeah, it's but up and, I, yeah. A lot of numbers are fading out. Um, our protest but but i think the issue is um our people want to see something and that's yeah. what me and daisy has been talking about not just hitting people with protests but also getting giving them solutions and how we can continue to push the ball forward not just hitting the streets but pushing policies uh organizing our community and um finding ways that we can be build our community up because i'm not just i'm for self-accountability Mm-hmm. So I'm always looking into what can we do better as a community too. We yeah. have to stay consistent. Yeah. We have to um with our money when it when it comes to finances, we have to give back within our community. Um we have to vote. And that's one thing like within our community, um, we don't really like to vote. And then yeah. I think it's that we don't like to, we're just not educated enough about it and the importance of voting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really, really have to vote, but most importantly, like just as a foundation to support one another and um, make sure we put our black dollars back into the community. And also, I want to piggyback on what uh, what she just said about voting. I was telling someone yesterday at the march that black people are some of the smartest voters, but also some of the craziest voters at the same time. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because uh, we're smart because we just don't vote for uh, the, the most popular candidate or whoever right. at the time. Who's got the who got the buzz? We vote for who we think can win. And it's election cycle. Everybody should have their money behind Kamala, right? During the primaries. But black people are so smart and uh, smart voters, they was pick who can win. And they pick Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. But uh we are the craziest because if we don't like the candidates in 2016, we're gonna stay home. So, you know, yeah. We, we, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but my thing is that is if you don't like the candidate, there's so much that a president could do. For for uh, example. A president elects federal judges, and black people, we know we in the court system, you know, they're mm-hmm. crazy. Federal judges, well, who would you want? A federal judge elected by Clinton or Donald Trump? I would think you would pick a lot of part and pick Clinton, because you would probably pick somebody that's more liberal and more understanding to where life is moving, to where, you know, if somebody get a marijuana charge, you know, the conservatives, they're going to probably push the issue of this mass incarceration again. Yeah. A liberal will probably understand, you know, marijuana, you know, it's kind of, that's what the young kid group is doing, and they'll be more understanding. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what, um, both of you guys, what, as a voter, as a black voter, what laws or policies would you like, um, to be put in place that's going to protect African-Americans or, um, minorities, um, this coming up election? What would you guys like to see? Mm, That's a good question. Um, for me, since we really don't have much control in corporate America, I want it to be some type of policy, um, or law. I don't know how we can get that um, in the system, but I just want it to be where black people don't have to work so hard to get promoted or put in 
but I guess that goes back to diversity mm-hmm. um, within the company because I know they have like diversity policies where um, the company has to be a, a percentage of um, diversity, I guess. Yeah. But I don't know. For me, it would just be so much more on that level, having more black people in leadership um, positions. So that way we can hire more black people. Um, and then, of course, police brutality and um, police laws such as that. I think um, I think number one, I mean, what's at front right now is we need to go ahead and protect the Voters' Right Act, you know, get that back going. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, it has really dismantled that. So there's a bill right now. I think it's sitting in the Senate, you know, Mitch McConnell's graveyard. Uh, it was, it, I think it's now the, uh, the, the John Lewis uh, uh, bill, voting rights yeah. act, kind of just to you know get the voting rights act to what it was when it was passed in '65. Uh, I think that's number one. I think um, so voter so voter suppression. I think also education. Um, that's locally. They need to flood more money into our communities as far as education, adequate housing, uh, put, and just continue to put more money and resources in our community. Because the reason why our communities. Is chaotic because they 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 drown us. They not drown us. They they suppress us with the resources in our community. Yeah, you know, yeah. We have no grocery stores. You know, barely in our mm-hmm. community. Thousands of other places to get. You know, um, go to get go to grocery stores. Our school buildings, our infrastructure look crazy. We don't get any funding. Um, and then the kids, you know, they don't have any after school programs. They're steady taking away places. I think in Chicago, when the past mayor was in office, uh, Ron Emanuel, he closed down a school to open up a police academy. What kind of sense does that make? Chicago is when it comes to something's going on over there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> something's going on over there because the police is they're very corrupted mm-hmm. and the guns that is just ridiculous. I know it's easy to get guns in a lot of major black communities, but Chicago, these guns are like from a it's like from a whole nother level. Like yeah. it's like one of those war movies. Like, how are they getting all these guns? Well, you know, it's funny. Um Chicago has some of the, most, the strictest gun laws, but the surrounding states, Indiana, Iowa, uh, yeah. Wisconsin, those states are so loose with their gun laws. So, you know, you got to have to just drive over there. Exactly. Selling these guns off black market, they go to these gun shop shows and, you know, mm-hmm. outside states and they brought, bring it right to the hood. And of course, you know, they, they buy them a dime a dozen. So, yeah. Uh, that's another issue that can be tapped into. They need to find more restrictive laws with the people who are purchasing these guns. Uh, at these gun shows, because I think I don't want to misspeak. I don't want, yeah, I don't want to misspeak. But I think you can buy a gun, like here in Texas, you can buy a gun at the gun, sh- uh, gun show. And it's not even really tracked on the person who sells the gun. How are your gun laws in um, Texas? Because I heard like you guys can walk around like you know open or concealed or whatever. I don't know. I don't have guns. They're but, very um, loose. They're, they're very, loose. Um, very loose. Yeah, I mean you can in the Texas you don't even have need a license to have a gun now you don't need to you need a license to carry it but to have a gun in your car you don't need a license you can just you can go in the store, store and buy a gun versus illinois you need to get a foy card and then you can purchase a gun and then if you want to carry you got to get a you know chl but in texas you can buy a gun don't need any license and then uh it's open carry so you get your chl you can open okay. a, you can open a closed carry what do you guys think about because i know some people are like you got to get a gun you got to get a gun like when this pandemic ha- started, me and my girlfriends, we like, we gotta get us some guns. We don't know what's gonna go on. We thought it was gonna be a purge, all that. Like, you know, everything was just so new. <laughs> so we was like, for real, we were like, oh my God, we gotta take this gun class. Um, 
So <laughs> I'm laughing because that's me. For real? We were like, like I need to go to the gun range. I've never been to the gun range. I'm like, I need to go. I need to give me a gun because I don't want to, you know, I don't know who's going to walk up on me. Right. Me. Right. I was like, you know, people losing their jobs. You know, once that unemployment stops, girl, they're gonna be knocking on our doors. Yeah, I was like, I gotta get me a purple one. What you think? You know, yeah, I want a pink one. <laughs> let me be cute with it. Right, let me be cute. I'm like, I don't want to hurt myself. I gotta put it. What purse is it gonna match with? Yeah. So that's how I was, you know. Um, but some of these guns in America, the guns are just out of control. It's just out of control. What do you think about us protecting ourselves with guns um, opposed to people just using it maliciously? Like, what do y'all think? Yeah, that's my fear. So I don't, I'm, I honestly think it's going to be a war soon, right? Yeah, a civil war. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because all of these people are strapping up. Like, okay. they're getting these guns because everybody's like on 10. Like, okay, mm-hmm. if somebody comes to me, I'm, I'm busting back. And, you know, so, um, I'm like kind of scared of guns, but I know like right now in the moment we're in, we need it for protection. And um, it kind of scares me when I think about it, because if everybody's going out to purchase guns, we got some people that's hotheads, you know, they might get upset if you sit out of traffic uh, light and you blow the horn. That's the problem. So um, to me, it's like, I'm all for it, but I think it should be a limit. And I think the um, rules or guidelines should be strict, stricter, more strict um, um, when we purchase them. Uh, I know we take a course for it, but I don't know. They need to kind of up the guidelines for it. So it won't be so easy. Yeah, and I agree with that. As far as guidelines, it definitely be up because when I purchased my gun, I walked into the store and asked a few questions. That was it. Nobody ever checked my mental stability. That, yeah. You know, so I feel like that, I mean, it's not like that in all states, but for sure, I know that's like that in Texas. Uh, they need to kind of, you know, check on you, make sure that you're all yeah. right. And, and even other countries, they have so many uh, strict gun laws, but they don't have the gun violence like we do. Like Exactly. Man, we triple, well, not forget triple, we 100 times more like it did in Japan as far as the gun, uh, the gun violence, whatever, like that. Um, but, but then I can see how that could create some type of bias. Um, like we can't do a psychological ex- well, we could, but then we can't because then that could create um, some type of bias, um, form or perspective, I guess. I mean, like, you know, I think it needs to be done because I work <laughs> in mental health, uh-huh. I work in mental health, and some of these people they be looking like they got it together, they can present themselves as you know well-dressed, well-groomed, and they are nuts. You don't know what they could do. I'm like, okay. I knew it was coming. (laughs) Um, I was waiting for them to show me who they really are. Now I see. But you know, know. it's funny. These little little young white kids have been shooting up stuff. You can. That's what I'm saying. You can look at him and say, like, he was messed up. So why did you know? Why nobody check on him? Because he looked like he had something wrong with him. (laughs) And I just don't like how they label like so they're always complaining Thank about you. black on black crime black on black crime like these white kids not like there's white on white crime hispanic Absolutely. on hispanic crime us we uh, if you think about it a lot of us we still live in segregated areas we mm-hmm. still live yeah. amongst each other you know what i'm saying because that's how we the, everything was segregated you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying so we live within our communities and they say most of the time when 
people shoot other people, it's going to be the same person of their race most of the time because they're in their communities, you know? Um, And then not even that, but like when, when the white kids or we're not just going to say white, when non-people of color, um, like kill other people or or commit a crime it's oh well um they have mental health issues um oh they have had a hard life they're on medication for this and that and it's just like black people experience traumatic um events most of the time like growing up um, yeah through childhood so i just i don't like how they and they get no help yeah they don't get help and you know a lot of kids even in chicago they walk around with ptsd and i would too undiagnosed you know but you would give a military veteran coming home after seeing the dead body give him money for his trauma but the kids in the city they seeing two or three dead bodies and nobody ever thinks that these kids may experience PTSD these yeah we got some some things messed up and, and and that's the thing about you know uh you know we commit these crimes hurt people hurt people mm-hmm. yeah we're, we're next door to people that look like us and so D.L. Hoopy said something he said it's not about color it's about proximity you kill who's next to you yeah mm. yes yes I yeah. like this. This is a little conversation. <laughs> yeah, I like it too. Um, yeah, I would like to, see, like you said, I would like for them to do something about these gun laws and um, who's bringing these guns in here to this country? Exactly. Because yeah, it's a lot. Well, most of the manufacturers are sitting right down in Florida and they're building masses of guns, you know, because the Constitution allows people to have guns. So And it's can, Florida. Yeah, and, and, they, and they, they, they exploit that. Yeah. Um, I've seen a video. It was an old video. I have to find this documentary. But they were talking about, you know, they were talking about the war on drugs, like in the 80s and stuff like that. Um, You know, when the crack epidemic hit a lot of the black communities. And they were also talking about the guns. Um, So they were talking about Chicago. They were like, it was a van. This man said there was a van. It was a couple other people. It was a van full of guns. And they just left it there. And people just started taking them. You know what I'm saying? People just started taking them. And that was during, like, you know, the um, crack epidemic or whatever. So things just got crazy. And then I remember seeing another video, like, a few summers ago. Um, it was this huge, like, tractor trailer full of um, shoes. I don't know if you guys saw it on Instagram, but it was, like, Jordans, um, Christian oh Vuittons, all that. They left it in the hood yeah, so, from the basketball court Yes, young African Americans. Yes. Yeah, so they can basically it's bait. And then yeah, it's, know, bait. it's bait. Yeah, it's a bait car. So I'm like, so this stuff about the guns, it has to be true. If because I'm like, this was back in the '80s, and now this is the you know mid 2000s, and they doing the same thing. And like mm-hmm. the OGs of the neighborhood are telling these young boys, do not go over there. It's a setup. And then the police were down the street around the corner watching. That is so that's sad. Wrong. It's wrong. wrong. Um, when that bait happened with the uh, Nike shoes and stuff, um, mm. they actually had a protest um, about it. Um, and Shine King actually put together a small. I mean, where people are starving of these type yeah. of things. I mean, they're gonna. It's, they like, yeah. it's like don't don't put a cookie in my face, expect me to grab it. <laughs> <laughs> right? People are gonna do what they're gonna do because these are things they're not used to, you know. Somebody, and then you know, especially as a teenager or a young kid coming up, if you don't have, you know, access exactly. or money to get some of these nice shoes, because you know, in our community and kids, just period, 
oh, you don't got that. Look at your shoes. Yeah. You, know, the, yeah. you got bobos or whatever. I don't even know that's still a word. <laughs> um, you know, they just make fun of each other. So it's like, well, if it's just sitting there, why not? You know, yeah. because they're young and they kind of have this metal- mentality from the environment that they come from. So it's just sad that they would spend all of these tax dollars to the do these wicked like things yeah. like that. Yeah. When you should be helping the community or figuring out, like, you know, that's breaking down crimes and stuff. Yeah, like, that's doing? why we want to That's why we defund the Take they, that away. They spent too many resources on trying to set us up. So defund the police. Yes. Yes. It's just ridiculous. And that's just Chicago alone. Um, I've seen this other news um, segment when it was a police officer and it was like 30 men, 30 black men that he lied on and had them incarcerated for years. I saw that documentary. Um, Yeah. I don't know what that, I think it was on Netflix. I I saw that documentary, but I think at the end, um, the only reason they found out is because he came out and said it, right? Like years later, he confessed and he's like, was that the Meek Mill documentary? No, I seen this on the news, but it was a couple different ones. Yeah. Because a lot of people were, a lot of men were getting exonerated, yeah. you know, all of a sudden. It was a documentary I watched, and the officer helped um, arrest all of these black men, and they lied on the paperwork, um, tampered with evidence and stuff like that. But then towards the end, like, when he was old, like, 60-something, he wanted to come out and say, like, okay, yes, we did lie about it. There are innocent people sitting in jail. Um, and we also need to do a police reform, too. I mean, a prison mm-hmm. reform. But, um, yeah, he just basically said a lot of innocent people are sitting in jail, and it's not true. Like, we lied on the paperwork. And I think that's crazy that officers have that type of ability and, like, access to do that, because they're messing up people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they they do not care. They have no... These people are wicked. They got a really bad spirit, no conscience. Like... It's modern-day slavery. It's modern-day slavery, yeah. They have them working, making license plates, um... Jordans, who knows what they're making over there? You know, it's modern day slavery. You know, it's funny. Uh, uh, Jacob Blake's father kind of said yesterday he was at the uh, march and uh, he mm-hmm. was speaking, uh, and he said, you know, they may have taken taken the chains off our ankle, but they, but they still got the chains on our wallets. Our like, yeah, man, he like he was dropping knowledge, and it was like crazy that that man going through what he's going through. Yeah, they able to drop knowledge and like be so inspiring for us yesterday. That was that was amazing. So that was a definitely a big highlight of the uh, thing, the event yesterday. And I think that's so cool that he said that. That's like the best way to say it because a lot of people don't understand systematic racism. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of non-black people don't understand it, and it's like when we're explaining it. I know at work they probably like, "Girl, shut up." <laughs> oh, um, me too. <laughs> they don't want to hear it. Um, their upbringing like one of yeah. my co-workers um, she called me like um, when George Floyd first died so I'm big on social media like I'm always mm-hmm. posting my activist stuff so um, and she's white and she called me and she's like you know I just want to say like my parents are racist my family is racist so I was kind of raised that way but now that I'm older like I don't want to be like that you know how can I help like what can I do so I think it just goes back to like their upbringing because they Mm -hmm. honestly like don't know they don't um I like that you said that so when that stuff happened um like I said I work in mental health um we did an activity with the women 
um, in our program. And a lot of them are white women, the majority white women, and they come from very rural areas. So coming here to the Washington, D.C. area, they're kind of amazed to see, like, Black people, Hispanic. Um, I'm West African, so they're, they're like, what, you're African? Yeah. They expect me to look a certain way, like, you know. Um, so we did, like, an activity with them, um, like a team-building activity. And a lot of them, like you said, they were like, you know, where I come from is... My parents are racist. Um, I never liked Black people. But when I met you guys, you guys are nice, you know. So it kind of changed my perspective. And some of the other white women were also saying that, you know, this this is a new generation. Um, their children's fathers were Black or Hispanic. And sometimes, like, their parents, they don't, they, they don't go for that at all. So they'll call their children, you know, really, really derogatory names. Um... And they're like, I don't even want to see them. I don't even want to see your kids, you know. So it's just interesting to see, like, the generation, I think, is changing when it comes to racism. Um, You know, so you have racist parents and then your kids, some of the kids are just pulling away and they're just being more open-minded. Even even in the organization we're working now, you you talk to some of the white people, they'll say that their parents don't agree with what they're out doing. But it's like, Dad, you sitting here with us, trying to defund the police, you, you in his streets protesting, but your mm-hmm. parents at home watching Fox News. I mean, that's a, I talked to someone in our organization, a white girl in our organization, and she may have had the type of conversation to where, like, her parents don't agree, they Trump supporters, but you know, she's a different one, but that's, you know, that's a trend with the younger white crowd. But that's the next generation, mm-hmm. they're the next, Yeah. They're not, Gen Z. Their parents were raised in a, uh, uh, in a country to where white was everything white was right and everything else was wrong mm-hmm. and you know that that propaganda was pushed out there now they raised the kids raised in the country where everything looks it's just about equal with everybody yeah the same kind of on the same level playing field uh so they see life differently than their parents i definitely think like i was very worried about gen z um, <laughs> I'm I'm almost like I'm a millennial. Yeah. I'm not gonna say how old I am. I'm I'm a millennial though, but I was kind of worried about them. But I feel like they're the future. They are the future to change things because, like you said, they want everything to be equal. Their friends, you know, now a lot of minorities are moving into the suburbs now. Um, you know, a lot. I see a lot of black people. They getting their money up. They're going to school. They're doing this. They're doing that. So their children are living a better life and they're living in different communities that they're all, you know, kind of unified, you know? So, and they see their friends, they see what their friends are going through. So they're standing up for them. Some of them are doing it with compassion, you know, um, not just a trend. So I feel like Gen Z might be the next generation to really, you know, kind of dismantle racism. I mean, but it also starts with us. You know, that's, you know, you know um, Black people, we cannot end racism. We cannot end these racist institutions. None of that. It's going to take white America to stand up and mm-hmm. put that to end because they built it. Yeah. And, and they have a privilege that we don't have. And that, But that goes back to why we need them in this fight. Yeah, and they're dominant in these fields, mm-hmm. you know, in these industries. So, like you said, it's for them to help dismantle it. Well, this was a really, really good discussion. I really enjoyed you guys being here. So, I'm going to go ahead and you know, close this episode out. Can Thank you. you. You're welcome. I loved it. Yes, and I, I really like this. This is good. 
thank you. I hopefully we can do it again. Yeah, we'll be back, girl. You gonna see my name in that Yeah, I'm gonna see your name. I'm like, yeah, okay, gonna, there um, she go. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you guys let everybody know your social media handles and your websites or where they can find you? Okay, well, me, you can find me on Instagram. My uh, Instagram name is Brewer Number Two and Conscious. So Brewer Two Conscious. Uh, I need to get my followers Ooh, up. So, we got you. I just started tapping into social media, like for real. So, I'm I'm light out here. Okay, no, you're okay. good. You're, he's you're he's, he's go. walking with something. He got some power behind. Him. Yeah. Um, y'all can follow me on Instagram at Deja Monet, D A J A I Monet. Um, Facebook Deja Monet. My website is dejamonet.org. So. Asian Monet all, on all platforms. And I'm your host, Marie B. You can follow us on Instagram at Black Girl Misunderstood. Hit that link in that bio. You can listen to us on Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and Radio Republic. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.